here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And welcome to the 20th edition of the Brit Rest Roundtable. Yep, we've made it to 20. This podcast is now uh, older than me. Because that's totally how time works. I'm Robin Reed, and joined by the the, the usual, I say usual, we haven't been together for, for a little bit, but the usual crew of Arnold Furious. Hello. And Ollie Court. Hey there. Uh, we've got a, an absolute load to talk about this episode. Um We've been going weekly recently, and we still somehow have uh, a stupid amount to talk about, so we're going to get straight into it. Um, but, well, I say that, but just before, a uh, little announcement up front. At the time of recording, Progress Chapter 31 hasn't dropped yet. Uh, I think it's set to drop Friday? Um, I think that's right. Um, and at time of recording, it is not yet Friday. So, if you would like to stay completely spoiler free of progress we're going to leave all the progress the, we're going to leave the progress chapter 32 preview to the end of the episode so uh, if you want to stay completely spoiler free you can just listen up to then and then stop um as mentioned we have a stupid amount to talk about uh last week on was up in newcastle is that the right city that's, that is the right city, yeah. Up in Newcastle for the What Culture, the inaugural What Culture Pro Wrestling tapings for their soon to be debuting uh, Reloaded show. Uh, since that's coming out episodically, we're not going to go too deep into talking about that. Also, two of the three of us haven't seen any of it yet. Um, but if you just want to share some brief thoughts uh, up front. Yeah, I, I think the first episode will be dropping on the 27th. Um, so we are actually quite close to the um, the the start of uh, of what cultures um, like YouTube promotion. Um, it was an interesting show to go to. I mean, it's always nice to get on board with something on the very first show. Um, so it had a kind of special atmosphere, which I'm hoping will come across in the tapings. Uh, it it was filmed in like a, a warehouse. Um, the first night there was about 200 people there, but it sounded so loud. The, the acoustics are perfect. It sounded like a lot more people. And they were hot for everything. There's something about... I don't know if either of you have ever been to Newcastle or been around a lot of Geordies, but they have absolutely no filter between the, the like the thought, the thought process 
and like the speech that comes out. I was stood behind a guy and he was literally trying to start a chant every 10 seconds. That's not an exaggeration. It was constant. And like half of them would catch on. It was it was like that. It was that kind of atmosphere. Um, I'm going to say right away that the first match on the first show is a comedy match. So Rob's going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> like right from the get-go. The, but the first match on the first show is uh, Martin Kirby versus El Ligero. And it's like a, a pure straight-up comedy match. And you're not going to like it. <laughs> it's, um, like from there, it's, uh, it's amazing how they've got... Uh, like a very weird collection of guys on there, uh, ranging from relatively uh, untried uh, kids, like uh, kids, Gabriel Kid, in particular, who's I think he's one of Joseph Connor's trainees. Uh, he's had very little uh, ring time, ranging to like experienced uh, UK indie journeymen like Prince Amin, who I haven't seen for ten years, and he's still got the same gimmick. Uh, lovely guy though. Um, to you know, legitimate stars in ICW like Joe Hendry, uh, Joe Coffey, uh, Big Damo. It is uh, a very northern promotion. They've used a lot of northern talent. Um, they filmed uh, four uh, TV shows over two days. The second one was in the morning, uh, where I think there was thirty people there. Thirty-eight was the number you said to us. Thirty-eight was the head count. Yeah, um, that's on a, a Thursday morning at ten a.m. So uh, you, you kind of think they're not going to get a lot of uh, people in for that taping, but uh, that was kind of fun to to sit through too. Um, there is another uh, Kirby Ligero comedy match on that taping, which Rob is <laughs> going to despise. Um, where Ligero is replaced by a guy that's not Ligero with drawn-on tattoos. Uh, one of the big uh, take-homes from the, from the four TV tapings is how over all the What Culture guys were. Um, Adam Pacitti is like the uh, general manager, and he comes out right at the start of the show, uh, the first taping, and the crowd just erupted like... Um, you know, like a, like a WWE house show, and it's like the first star that comes through the curtain. It's like, ah! it, it was that kind of reaction for him, uh, which I was pretty amazed by, and they were chanting his name. Um, all of the What Culture guys tried really hard. Um, they, they were kind of humble, and, you know, they wanted to do, uh, like, the odd thing. Um, Adam Blampier, uh, I thought, did really well as a manager. He's, he was a heel manager uh, with uh, Rampage Brown throughout the tapings. And he did a terrific job of that. Um, the final show that was taped on the Thursday night was like a, a special, I guess. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but like the, the first four were like TV tapings to build up to this show. And then the final show was like the, the culmination of all those angles. Right. Uh, so you had like, like uh, no DQ uh, matches going all over the building and um, uh, matches with consequences when they finished and um, and the whole thing was really well logically booked so it had like a an old school territory feel to the booking um so if you're on the lookout for like a like a weekly episodic tv show um this could work for you it'll be interesting to see how the whole like the personality driven wrestling thing will come across like will the wrestlers be playing second fiddle to the managers or 
don't really know what to expect, so it'll be interesting to see how it comes off, I guess. I think the crowd help matters a great deal. The uh, the crowd reactions were great. And um, I, the trouble they've got is uh, they're going to have to try and edit it for like mass consumption. And some of the chants are not going to be suitable for, for all people. Um, for example, Prince Amin, uh, they're chanting sex offender at him. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that will make it onto the YouTube chat. It'll be interesting if it does, but... Uh, there was a lot of other obscenity, which I, I don't think is going to make it onto there. Uh, but at least having seen it live, I can tell you what it gets edited out when we get to the um, the actual shows. <laughs> uh, oh, well, a couple of matches to watch out for uh, before I finish up. We had um, uh, Jay Lethal uh, on these shows. His match with, with El Ligero, which will be on the second episode, is really good. Uh, I think it's it's around four stars, maybe just under. Um, and also, he wrestled on the the, the final show, the, the the Thursday night show against Noam Dar. And I wasn't standing in the best position for this, but uh, from what I could see, that again was up close to four stars, and that should be uh, one worth seeing. And also, if you're watching that final show, there's a a, a Joe Coffee match in there. Uh, where he's whipped into the um, like the railing in front of the hard cam. I didn't think they were going to do that because the railing was supposed to be there to stop people from getting near the hard cam. So I was stood in front of it, and I had to move pretty quickly. So <laughs> if that's on the uh, on the YouTube show, that should be fun. See me scurrying. They they booked um, Will Osprey and Damien Sandow for the next set of tapings, haven't they? So they have. Um, I actually. I actually heard about that Sandow thing like while you were tape. Were you worried that Sandow was like billed as more of a deal than Osprey? I wasn't worried because it makes sense to like a YouTube audience who, you know, a lot of what culture's YouTube stuff is, well, almost all of it's centered around WWE from what I could see. So booking a WWE guy as your headliner is hardly a, a shocking move. It might. It's like an indication that it's not necessarily for me, but I. I think we already kind of knew that going in. Um, yeah, th- there are parts of this that you'll enjoy. I think you'll enjoy the fact that it builds so well. Um, a, a criticism of a lot, if not all, of UK promotions is that they don't build up matches particularly well. Um, with this, with the final show that they do, they spend four TV tapings specifically building stuff that happens on that show. Um, so in that respect, it's kind of more like uh, WWE in terms of sports entertainment because it builds, um, because they've got that TV in there specifically to do that job. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that aspect, and it didn't it wasn't like a detriment to the shows, I don't think. But uh, I'll be interested to see what you both think of it when it, uh, when it first airs. Well, that's the quote-unquote very brief um, What Culture Pro Wrestling talk out the way. Um, so we'll... We'll jump across over to this, uh, the RPW Angle vs. Sabre Jr. show, which happened uh, June 12th, um, so about half a month ago now. Um, uh, I saw this, like, today, um, right before we started taping, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Um, I thought from, from top to bottom, it was a really solid show. I, in terms of, like, stars, I don't think anything really dropped under three, maybe the, the tag title match. Uh, but the two the two that really stood out for me 
uh, was the the Osprey match with uh, with Mike Bailey, which I thought was another excellent match from from Osprey. Um, plus the the response that he got was incredible. And the other match that I really really enjoyed was uh, Sabre Junior and Kurt Angle, even though Angle isn't really as, as mobile as he once was. Um, it had the kind of atmosphere that you really want from a from a big match. Uh, when, when the crowd's chanting, this is awesome, during a, 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 like a fucking chin lock, then, uh, <laughs> you, you know you've, you've, you've done something special there in terms of dream matches. So uh, that really worked for me. Uh, I've seen like shows that in the York Hall that com- were comprised of better matches, but, but this definitely had... Maybe more of a even even more of a special feel than than the regular York Hall shows, which is saying something because they're they're always pretty special. Um, but the crowd here, um, Ollie, you were there live too. Um, as hot as the York Hall crowd usually is, uh, like right from right from the introductions from Andy at the start of the show, where he's where he always does his um, "Are you ready's um, right from the <laughs> the initial one of them, you could really tell that the, this crowd was. Even even more special than the normal York Hall shows. Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, these York Hall shows have sort of found they written like a real stride now. Uh, so it, it helps that they're doing it now four times a year instead of just three with this uh, impromptu one. But I feel like everyone who goes there sort of knows they're in for something special. And like I feel the way the card that was laid out here, you know, there was some uh, filler stuff in there, but like it was designed for like those two really special moments that ended up coming off really really well uh being osprey and angles just their entrances in general presence yeah i'd agree with that it's uh, it's always nice when you have a show that has like a slow build to like one big match in the middle and then another like slow build up to another one at the end that seems to be the best way to to put a show together it seems to be the way almost all progress shows run that way mm. where they have that big match before the interval yeah they they, they center the shows around like the they yeah, the two end of the half matches i guess and i think that the intention was there for, for those two to really be the show still in matches where everything else kind of bubbled under a little bit um that said i, I pretty much enjoyed everything else that was on the card i thought at skull and and um noam dar had a really strong opener um there was um, a lot of really solid countering in that match. Uh, I, I'm not sure what they were doing with the, with the limb work. It was the uh, commentary was kind of building it as uh, you know dueling submissions, but it, that never really happened. Yeah, they kind of flirted with the limb work a bit with the, the, in the Skull Dar match, but they, they never really followed through. I was a little bit disappointed with that one, but expectations were high considering how good both those guys are. I, I thought it was a better match when um, when they were running uh, through like big spot countering, or uh, not even so much big spots, but like uh, Skull's trademark stuff, and that Dar would see come in and counter it. I, I thought they did that really well. They, there's kind of a complaint about uh, about some guys that they they put stuff into matches for the sake of it. At least this felt like a logical progression, apart from the. Uh, like the the submissions, that didn't really work so much. It was, a, it was definitely a solid opener, if nothing else. I feel yeah. like a lot of the match was um, based off of skills, charisma, and like just heating up the crowd a lot. Like starting off hot, if it, it felt like 
Skull coming out was like one of those, like, a big star comes out first kind of deals. I feel like he's emerged as that kind of level of star, but like everyone knows who he is and will react big to everything he does. So even though he was a heel, acting the heel in this scenario, in this match, um, like, he was being cheered over Dar, like, everyone was reacting big to everything he did. Like, this match was really about Skull's mannerisms, I think, more than maybe the match itself. And his, uh, his new fur coat. Oh, yeah, of course, all in white, uh, Minoru Suzuki, Wrestle Kingdom 9 special. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that whole white gear thing, it's like, it used to be, if you're a babyface, you had, like, light gear and, like, you know, um vibrant colours and now it's kind of the other way around. You've got uh, Cena wearing the bright colours and Skull here wearing white and getting booed and people wearing black getting cheered. I think that's probably the uh, Austin was the point where that changed. I think it's just uh, Skull sort of like being on the big stage, changing up his gear, being like yeah, this is a special match, special show, so I'm gonna do something a bit different. <laughs> Spent a couple hundred quid on a new fur coat. Oh, he, he loves he loves bragging about uh, how much he spends on his fur coats. That's like his favourite thing to do that's, on Twitter. That's his robe, isn't it? His Ric Flair <laughs> robe. Yeah. How much did this one cost? Do we know? <laughs> I, did, did I he... can't remember. I remember him tweeting a previous one costing 2000 So Damn. He, he spares no expenses for his craft. It, well, he probably doesn't spend that much on it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his that's his work price. Yeah. Uh, the second match on this uh, show was uh, Pete Dunne and Martin Stone. We we haven't really seen much of Martin Stone, and uh, I think we, I, like on the show before, I mentioned that I thought Pete Dunne was going to make him look a bit small. Um, uh, Ollie Bennett said during the match that Stone weighed 187 pounds. That can't be right. No, no. Well, at least not wrestler weight, 187. Um, I know he's lost a lot, but uh, there's no way he's 187. With not with Pete Dunne being billed at, at two, like 214. Yeah, yeah, and he he looked I'm around the that. same. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're both probably around 200. I have an issue with these, like, uh, worked weights and heights and things. I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, make everyone look more impressive, I guess. Um, Stone certainly looked... He, I think he looked a lot more impressive than when we last saw him towards the end of 2014. Like, he's got much better gear now. Um, less of that brawler thing and more... Like, he's gone towards more, um, like, the classic technical wrestler look. Um, I guess that's he, he did of... st still do quite a lot of brawling, like, like the first yeah. half, he did a lot of brawling and then he kind of changed it up. So I think it was a case of like he wanted to show the fans that he was still Martin Stone, but that he'd learned some things. I think, so um, I, I kind of like that the story goes down to he wants to like represent, um, the southern or well, representing UK in the southern American indies where he predominantly works now, like he wants to look the part as like traditionally British rather than like he looked a bit generic in his old stuff so maybe he wants to have more of a, a striking appearance now which is I think what he's got he's certainly faster now he, it, losing that weight has helped him his in ring there's no doubt about that 
he's maybe not quite as intimidating as he used to be, but uh, he's still got the personality that. Uh, that yeah, he, he, he was uh, he was certainly talking a lot during this match, like interacting with the crowd and like um. And it almost seemed like um like he was happy to be there, but almost like he was a bit out of place. Like he didn't really know. He was trying to like gauge the crowd's reaction to him and like what style he should work because he's been so um out of it for a while. Yeah, I, th I thought it was a solid match. Uh, Pete Dunn uh, did decent work in there. Uh, it wasn't great or anything, but you know it it, it did the job. It was fine. Um. Right after that, they had the the battle of the big lads, uh, Big Daddy mm. Volta and Big Damo. Um, I don't know about you. This this was probably the one of the two matches on the show that I kind of switched off a bit for, and I don't know if it's because we're getting these uh, these big guys interacting a lot in progress that perhaps it's just you know the matches kind of feel a bit samey. I, I I this was definitely I thought. Um the worst match on the show. Um, I felt like the two didn't merge very well. They didn't get each other's moves. I, almost to a point where I don't think they even knew each other's moves particularly. Volta has like his Sakuratoshi um, move like that leads into his Gajira clutch finish. And I feel like Big Demo didn't like know about that. Almost like he thought it was going to be like a headlock spot or something. It just didn't... They didn't merge, mesh very well together. Uh, I feel like Demo, like Volta, maybe expected Demo to hit him a bit harder than he did. There was a spot where Demo was like going for a drop kick, and they like barely made any connection. And also, I felt like there were a lot of pins in this match. Like I felt, um, Volta's matches in the Progress Super Strong Style tournament, they were great because they were so surprisingly fast-paced for big man matches. Like they really went for it and only pinned each other in. Like towards the end of the match when they were genuinely trying to win it, they didn't waste time doing pointless pinning spots. I guess and I felt like there were a lot of pins in this match, almost like after every move, that just kind of broke up the action a bit and kept the crowd out of the match a bit. I don't know if you felt the same way. There was something nagging at me during the match that it wasn't really like clicking as it as it should. Um, I think the you know, the likes of Rampage Brand, Joe Coffey have kind of set the bar in terms of what, uh, you know, the pacing for these these big lads matches. And I've seen both these guys, uh, Walter and Damo, have like really solid matches. Um, but this just didn't really seem to get going. Um, it's like Walter felt like he was up for it and Damo didn't really take his lead and then it didn't settle down into any kind of rhythm. Mm. It felt like a disjointed match, definitely. I don't. I. It didn't come off great. I think they could probably do better, like given a second go at it. Yeah, perhaps have a more of a walkthrough beforehand and just. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think this is the only match on the show that maybe underdelivered based on expectations going in. I think that'd be fair because like the tag match, I don't think we're really expecting anything about yeah, from yeah. that beforehand. Um, Seems like somewhat of a theme for for demo matches, really, especially when he's against bigger guys um, or guys where you're expecting it to be a real slugfest. Uh, it just never seems to click. His work's very clean. Um, he, he's very 
his power moves usually look pretty good, but when he's in there and you're expecting two big guys to hit each other, whether it's Walter or Ishii, uh, it never quite seems to be up to expectations, I don't think. Yeah, I think that'd be fair. I, I think the with the Ishii match, um, I felt it took a long time to get going. Um, and I, with this one, I'm not sure if it did at all. It, it was just starting to click and it was over. Um, so the next match on the card was the big one, the big uh, Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey match. The pop for Bailey was actually okay when he came out. I was like, that's, that's a pretty decent pop. <laughs> and then um, that out comes Ospreay. And it the, it wasn't so much the, the volume even. It was just, I mean, and it was loud because you couldn't even hear his music. It was that loud. But it was the fact that it just kept going. Oh, yeah. And this is like a solid five-minute uh, standing ovation. I love the look on um, on Will's face during it as well. He was just like, you know, I think he expected a good ovation, but not this big. It was it, was, it kind of shocked him a little, I think. Mm, like, I, I was standing near the runway heading to the ring, the ramp, um, and, like, so I, I, he was, like, smiling from ear to ear and, like, very, like, overcome with the situation. Like, he was <laughs> naturally very, very happy to be receiving that kind of reaction and really lapped it up, and that was great to see. And, like, also just the way everyone sort of slowly rose to their feet, like, when he entered, and, like, because only a few people were, like, standing up when, like, his music hit, but then, like, everyone was on their feet by the time he got to the ring. Like, that was just really awesome to see, like, the wave of people standing up and, and like, cheering him on. I think it's kind of a cap on a, a nice personal storyline is that, yeah. you know, he's come through, uh, fought his way up the card, never quite won the won the big one in, in Rev Pro, but then went and won a big one in New Japan and came back <laughs> and... Yeah, I think the the respect that he got for that was completely deserved. He's he's tried so hard. Uh, the the effort in his matches is ridiculous. The the, the standard that he's setting for himself is so high. Uh, I he's having like a, a match of the year contest with himself <laughs> this year. Not not just in the UK, but everywhere he's everywhere he's gone, he's been superb. Definitely, um, it's um... just amazing. And it happened here again. Like he had another great match with Mike Bailey. Um, I thought they they, unlike Demo and Volta, they meshed really really well in this match. Like Osprey once again got across like how dangerous Bailey's kicks were, and like they both just moved so fast in the ring. Like got through their spots so cleanly and crisply. Um, they got their shot Vader across really well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for um, I, I assume everyone knows about it, but um, uh, Vader did not care much for the reaction that um, that Will Osprey Ricochet match got uh, over in the Super Juniors. Well, kind of... well, he he didn't like the GIF, um, but then he said when he actually watched the match, he quite enjoyed it. That's it's like how can you base your opinion on a match on like five seconds? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, um, yeah, Vader reacted uh, negatively to the to a GIF, and or is it GIF? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, reacted negatively to it. Um, so Osprey in return kind of did a, a Vader bomb in this match. Um, and which, which Bailey kicked out at one yeah. <laughs> and laughed at him for it. I thought Bailey's um, little tribute w- was even better because uh, if a slight, slightly more subtle, he just does a random bat flip in the middle of the match with, with yes. absolutely no <laughs> purpose and then holds up the Vader hand sign. Uh, it's like, ah, oh, he. That that's that's the purposeless flip, Vader. That that's that's the one with no purpose. That's for you. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. That was right after the Vader bomb. That was like the next sequence. And you just I, did I, pointless backflip. Brilliant. I got I got the sense that Sim, um, uh, Andy Boy had absolutely no idea what was going on. He <laughs> doesn't seem to follow wrestling he, at all. He doesn't um, watch anything unless he's there. That's, that's it. the impression you get. <laughs> yeah, like, the only things he can reference were things from six years ago when he actually cared. <laughs> uh, I don't think he cared six years ago. Maybe oh, 16 well. years ago when he was a fan. <laughs> I don't know, he's just... Uh, I just hate him as a commentator. I really do. It's all the way... Uh, through, it's just... He seems to belittle achievements. It's like... You had Ollie Bennett was uh, talking about what a great achievement it was for Will Ospreay to win the Super Juniors, which it was. But instead of... Um, I mean, Andy Boy could have turned around and said, yeah, he's done that, but he hasn't won anything major here in, in Rev Pro, and I'd have been fine with that. That would have been a heel thing to say. But to just go, oh, that doesn't mean anything. I he could clearly, have been to Gucci. <laughs> he just hasn't got a clue. I know. Uh, yeah, you, you can't bury something like that when it's the whole like purpose of the match is like Will Ospreay's homecoming and then just to say ah well he's come home from something that didn't matter it's like nah. it's like if you've got a working really relationship with your talent, another though. promotion then you really should watch that promotion <laughs> and I know you've you got, you got your two, two New Japan guys coming in a month later you're gonna probably have another split show in October um and he's just burying New Japan's second biggest tournament. So there we go. <laughs> he is just a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> but is it how much of that is an act and how much of it is real? That's a shoot. He's he's a shoot dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> if his uh, Twitter account's anything to go by, it's it's not a lot of act. Yeah. Going back to the the match, I, I really enjoyed how how Bailey won every single strike fest. Um, like every time they went to, to the strikes, Bailey always came out on top. I thought that's a really nice touch. Apart from when Will just went screw it and did a headbutt. Yes, yes, that was the the, the that the was one like time. oh yeah, that's one up to him. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. really good match though. Really good. Uh, I had it. I think I had it at four. Yeah, I had it at four stars. And definite match of the night for me. Yeah, yeah I'd um, agree. I'd agree with that assessment. <laughs> yeah, I went a little higher, but then I'd always find Rob's ratings to be a, a tad stingy. But yeah, definitely match of the night. Uh, what did we think about his? Uh, what did we think about his um, like post-match comments? Um, his point, uh, like it was a fair point, but I think he, he put it over badly. Uh, the way he worded it, uh, which may go back to his, you know, does he, is he uh, slightly overwhelmed by where he is at the moment? Right, so the exact quote was, I want to address something, uh, and it's not about what time it is, and then he kind of, like, 
I feel that he was set to go into a, a scripted thing there, and then, like, he says, it's not about what time it is, and then the chat crowd, like, chants, I think it was Fuck Vader, or something like that. <laughs> um, and then it kind of spurs him into, you know, off-the-cuff addressing it. Um, uh, and it, it, it wasn't how I'd have done it anyway. Uh, he says, I tell you what, you know what time it is. It's time to get with the times. Uh, the IWC wants to say Osprey doesn't tell any stories. Now, I don't know why they want a dyslexic kid to read them Harry Potter um, and so on and so forth. <laughs> why are you mentioning the IWC? Like, everyone's <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. There is no like small circle of people who watch wrestling who also are on the internet. Who, who is he even thing. talking about there? Like, who, who is he shooting on? Because, like, we're all, like, IWC members, I guess. Uh, but, like, when when have, when have we... Yeah, I just, we're on the internet, we're wrestling fans. Uh, we'll actually write about wrestling on the internet as well, so that kind of makes us part of that clique, uh, which is quite an enormous clique. Um, but, yeah, we... Like, when have we ever said anything negative about um, about him and his storytelling ability? We've always been really positive. Of all, like, right from the get go. Of, like of all arenas to or venues to do that in, like the York Hall is like it's probably fifty percent of the people who are there are involved in some sort of wrestling forum or wrestling well, Twitter sphere I'm start or something like that. Counting up um, people that are going to Summer Sizzler, I'm going to start counting them up on, on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure everybody I follow is going to that show, so it's going to be like a, an IWC crowd. I, I, I get what Osprey was trying to say, but like you say, like mentioning IWC and like he, he didn't get across the point very well, but I, I understand that like he was saying um, you know, there's people who don't get my style, but um they're not particularly who I'm trying to appeal to. I'm trying to people to the people who do get it and do appreciate it. I think if he'd have said something like, "There are people who don't like my style of uh, who, who who don't like the way I wrestle, uh, and say I wrestle the wrong way," but as long as I'm getting reactions like I just got, I know I'm doing something right. If he'd have said something like that, then it, it would have just come across so much better. But uh, it did feel like a spur of the moment thing, and well, what can you do? I guess. <laughs> I don't think it diminished the moment in any way. I still thought it was I... a very like special moment and special match for him to it... come back to the UK and be like a genuine megastar. In front of that crowd, he couldn't have said anything wrong. Oh yeah, he could benefit from having somebody write stuff for him. Uh, if he can memorize stuff, which I'm not sure he can, but if he could then he would benefit from having somebody help him with his promos. Because at the moment, it's just when, when he talks, I'm like, he, he seems like a nice guy. He comes across all right, but it's the, the points that he's trying to make are kind of jumbled. Um, after after uh, that small um, diversion in his speaking, he, he went on to say that he, he's going to be cutting back um, the amount of dates he's wrestling next year, um, which does seem sensible because... Uh, I think uh, on current count, he's on course for something like 140 matches this year, which for people working the indies, they just don't work that many matches. The only way you can work 140 matches in a year is if you do house shows. 
Yeah, he's he's working uh, at a very intense level as well. And he feels like he would disappoint people if he doesn't bring that A game to every yeah. single match he's in. And he can't do that anymore. And um, he really shouldn't be wrestling in front of hundreds of people anymore. He should be wrestling in front of thousands. Well, I mean, he's also got to go and uh, fight the Hunter Club on the New Japan house show, house show tour. So, <laughs> To be fair, those are matches that he can actually, you know, just hit a few big spots in and take it easy. Yeah. So working for New Japan is going to really help his body, I think, in terms of recovery rate and being able to do stuff. I mean, he'll he'll learn from the best in terms of not taking bumps. <laughs> if you've ever seen the New Japan house shows. <laughs> so some of the guys never leave their feet on those things. <laughs> he hasn't really been working um, the house shows, though. Um, to this point, he's worked one non-televised event. So... Uh, maybe that point doesn't quite, unless things are, are changing in the near future. At the moment, he's been on kind of the the young buck um, schedule, where he's only brought in for the the, the TV and pay per views for New Japan. Uh, they've they've got him signed up for two years though, so I expect he will do, um, and he'll get to work some undercard tags, some like six and eight man tags, and that'll be easy for him. But he did say um, while he's going to be cutting back on a lot of his UK indie dates. Uh, as long as Rev Pro are, are going to continue to run, he's going to be there, which is uh, something I appreciate because uh, it's the, the company that I get to, to see live most, and having Osprey there is always going to be a plus. Absolutely. Um, should we move on to the uh, uh, Chris Hero, uh, Josh Bodum match, which followed the, uh, the interval? Um, Hero's some kind of wrestling god. <laughs> and he was outstanding again here uh, Josh at times kind of looked out of his depth um, and this is no slight to, to Josh at all he's, he's a young guy, he's relatively inexperienced he did alright in this match he really did, I didn't feel that the finish was right because um, I don't think he's ever used a, a rolling elbow as a, as a finish um, I'd have been a lot happier with it being like a, a bliss buster to finish the match, I think that would have made more sense. Um, but yeah, Hero um, did, did fine work pounding <laughs> Bodum, and uh, Josh did a good job of keeping himself heel because when you're getting beaten up to that degree, it's it's very easy to generate sympathy, and he didn't at all. He, he was a dick. I, I thought the finish completely worked for this because when it happened, I literally vocalized, Oh, you little bastard. <laughs> That's actually what I said, <laughs> just out loud, uh, impromptu, because he came across like such a dick in the finish, like, uh, obviously low-blowing hero and then using his own finisher against him, and like, I know it didn't come across really well, it was kind of a poor connection on the finish, but I think the intention still got over very well. Um, um, I, I just don't find it convincing that he was able to pin Chris Hero with an elbow. I, that's I don't, a fair point. With, with the like, size difference and with the way the match was worked, I don't think that's a convincing finish. Maybe he should have done like two elbows or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> an elbow, then an elbow. I liked it as a story. Um, I like what they were going for, but as you said, it, it, it didn't connect in the best way, and it ended up being like the 15th best elbow in the match or something. Um, and you don't want the 
the uh, the finish of the match to be the 15th best version of what we've already seen several times. But but I got what they were going for, and I liked what they were going for, but it, it I loved the entire story of this match right up until it didn't connect brilliantly, and then... Yeah, I was I was really hoping for him to nail it, and I think if he had nailed it, I'd have, I'd have loved it. But uh, it didn't quite work. Um, he, he, he seemed to. Uh, I've watched it back one or two times, and he seemed to because it was a rolling elbow, and he seemed to rotate a little early. So then he kind of had to fall into the elbow at the end, and it didn't didn't quite work. But uh, it was definitely a good win for Josh. Um, I thought he struggled a little in his heat segments early on. Um, and that's kind of a common complaint then. I'm a big fan of Bowden, but it, he continues to have to to do heat segments because he's the heel uh, against these international stars who were invariably a lot bigger than him, uh, thinking back to the Dijak match and now the Hero match, and they never quite seem dynamic enough. It, you're just waiting for, for things to pick up afterwards. Um, but once it did pick up, I enjoyed it a lot, and... While as good as the Osprey Bailey match was, the hero performance may have been performance of the night. Yeah, he got over Bodum really well and like made Bodum look maybe more credible than he's ever looked before. Um, I think part Bodum also did himself justice well as well. I thought this was, may have been his best individual performance. Like he's such a good shit muncher now. Like <laughs> the way he riles up the crowd is. It's it's almost second to none on the British scene, anyway. Oh, shit muncher Josh Bowden. What a terrific <laughs> gimmick that is. Uh, Post-match, um, Bowden gets on the microphone and calls out Tomohiro Ishii for Summer Sizzler. Um, do we think that's going to be, a, like, possibly the big breakout match for, for Bowden? He It feels like he's got one coming. I think Ishii is a better matchup for him than Hero because Ishii is, you know, he's a bit short, so he kind of makes Bodum look a bit more imposing than Hero, who's just like completely outsized Bodum. Um, on the other hand, I just want to see Ishii drop Bodum's <laughs> head through the canvas, and we'll be delighting in seeing that. <laughs> well, uh, Ishii is five foot seven. Oh, which is... well, I'm five foot seven, and I. Not towered over him, but you know. I, I was, actually think you're the same height. You're the same I'm, height, but your hair is taller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blessed with hair still. Ishii <laughs> yeah, doesn't have any hair. That's, yeah. that's not a fair, not a fair comparison. <laughs> yeah, I towered over him. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna kill Bodum. Yes, it's gonna be delightful as well. I'm gonna enjoy every minute. Yeah, I and I, I like Josh Bowden, but because of the way, because of his character, you kind of want to see him get a beating, and mm. he's going to get a beating. I, I thought Bowden was really good in getting Chris Hero angry, or like getting him into the match beyond just the, like getting him properly emotionally invested in the match, which maybe Hero might not have been otherwise. Um, and I think he'll do the same for Ishii, because like we said with the Damo match last year, it was all about getting Ishii angry and getting him to properly lever Damo um, with the strikes. And I feel like Bodum can do that, and if Bodum's willing to like properly go blow for blow strong style with Ishii, it could be a really fantastic match. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. 
Um, moving on, we had uh, the tag titles, the Revolutionists finally losing the belts uh, to the team of Joel Redman and Charlie Garrett. Um, Charlie Garrett, we'd not seen a lot of him in Rev Pro, but I thought he came across well. And uh, Redman, I thought, uh, was the star of the match in terms of the, the quality of what he was doing. Yeah, everything he did just like popped to a different level to all the other three guys in here. Um, he just came across so clean, so impactful. And like Garrett's in there doing all these flips, putting all this effort in, and then Redmond comes in and like does one throw or something and, and gets a way bigger pop because he really did just come across as the star here, um, far and above all the other three. You kind of wonder uh, whether somebody wants to push him in singles because he's he's got the look and like in the ring he's he's good um against a, a lot of smaller opponents who are going to be uh making up the majority of uh, the top of the cards um because he's he can hit those power moves on them uh do, do we think he's like put overdue in terms of getting a big push so well, if you if you look back to I'm trying to remember what it was now uh, maybe is that a year and a half ago now when he had his match with Okada? Um, he it wasn't that special. It, it wasn't particularly memorable. Um, and I think maybe he he lacks the high end singles matches um, that you you'd want from a main event singles guy. Um, but but having it, he's always good to have on a card, even if he's not necessarily someone that's going to deliver you know the match of the year level level matches that some of the guys are delivering. Yeah, I think both Garrett and Redman are best suited to the tag scenario. I feel they're both very good in spurts. They have some really spectacular offense in um, two different ways. Redman with the big power moves and uh, Garrett with these crazy flips for a guy his size. Um, Garrett has a lot of experience in tag with um, Einstein Rees, who's in uh, the Atlas tournament in progress. And uh, Redman, you know, he keeps cycling in and out tag partners for the past couple of years in Rev Pro. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see them be the tag champions because I think they can produce some pretty good matches together. I don't. Know, I, I guess uh, like Joel Redman, he, he's probably disappointed with how his career has turned out to date, and the clock is ticking on him because I, I think he's what thirty, maybe twenty nine. But he was in NXT for, I want to say, two years. Where he was a tag specialist again. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he was doing okay work over there, but like he's improved a little since then. Um, he, he needs something at some point soon uh, to get back on track, I think. Mm. I thought he didn't really get a fair shake in NXT, to be honest. Like he was cut just before it turned into the big super indie thing, and I thought he—I think he could have hung in there. Like I think he's a lot better than guys like Elias Sampson and people who are like in the mid card of NXT now. So I feel like if you inserted him back in there, he could make some noise. Yeah, I think it's bad timing, really, because um, he he left in—I'd say it's about two years ago. Um, so NXT kind of kicked on like right after he left. It's just bad timing because now they need the guys, and if he was still on the on under contract, I think they'd use him more. 
he doesn't right. necessarily stand out enough to like. He he's not the guy like on the the tip of your tongue when you're thinking of guys that are that are gonna get signed soon. He 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 would do fine if he was still there. Yeah. He's that's his problem. Like on the outside looking in, it's very difficult to get back in unless you're like a major star. But if he was on the inside, in the inside already, I feel like he could be making noise, and it's just unfortunate for him that they decided they didn't need him for for the, what where they were then. And I feel like they do kind of need him now. Or if yeah, yeah he, he'd <laughs> have been fine. You if understand he just my survived. logic? Yeah, if he just survived that round of cuts when he went, I'm sure he'd be fine there. I mean, you think that uh, they've signed uh, like Hugo Knox, the the former goalkeeper, and I'd say in a, a comparison between the two, I'd say Redmond is a better all-round wrestler than, than Hugo Knox is. So it's, it's a tough break for him. He doesn't really get used a lot in the, the the more focused on UK indies, which I find fairly surprising. Obviously, he's a he's a regular in Rev Pro, but aside from that, he's not around a lot. I mean, he's in, no, he works he's, for Fight Nation, in... and that's about it. He's in RevPro, Flight Nation, and the summer camps. He really doesn't get any work, like, in the north. He's never been in progress. It's, it's kind of odd. But, celebration, revolutionists have lost the belts. Hey! Uh, thank God, because they didn't have a single match <laughs> in a near, uh, just over a year reign. Like, unless I'm forgetting one, I don't think they had a single match you could even call good. Um, no, I think their best match was... Tenkoji in a New York call, and that was only because of Tenkoji yeah, <laughs> and was, just seeing Tenkoji. That was fine at best. Um, yeah. Redmond and Garrett, I don't think they're necessarily going to be world beaters, but they're a definite upgrade. It was just anyone else at this point. Uh, so they've done that. <laughs> they've, they've, uh, they've managed to get the belts onto somebody else, and that, that'll do for in terms of storyline. And Sam, Sam Mills is better than the work he was doing as part of that tag team. Like, you watch Samuels elsewhere, he's a good wrestler, but something about being a team with Castle, uh, <laughs> all he is is heel tropes. Or all he wants. Mm. Oh well, it's done now. <laughs> <laughs> now watch him go straight back. <laughs> yeah, next, next show, Char and Castle win the belts back. <laughs> Against... Uh, uh, Joel Redmond and uh, Jake McCluskey. Uh, Jake McCluskey subbing in for an injured Charlie Garrett. Again. Calling it right now. <laughs> Summer Sizzler. Semi main event. <laughs> uh, hopefully James isn't on the Sizzler. I doubt he will be, to be honest. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, main event on this show was obviously because the show was named Angle vs. Sabre. It was Angle vs. Sabre. Um, I, as a, a long-time wrestling fan who can remember Angle's like entire WWF run in, in pretty good detail, I don't think it was as much of a, a nostalgia deal for me to see him in, uh, in Rev Pro, which is why I didn't make a point of going to the show. But the reaction for him was enormous. It's not the pop when he walked through the, the, <laughs> the curtain was just huge. It's a... Possibly louder than, than the reaction that Osprey got. Um, and then they went straight into the whole, like, you suck deal as he was walking down the ramp. And he was smiling. <laughs> this massive, broad grin. He was so happy to be there. And be appreciated. 
Yeah, this but. wasn't necessarily um, somewhat like the show. It wasn't necessarily like a, a blow-away match, bell-to-bell, but it really felt special. Um, and going in, being there live, I didn't necessarily know what to expect, but as, as soon as Angle walked out, and when they transitioned from the... Um, it was a huge babyface curtain pop, and then uh, he... His WWE music hits the bit where everyone, everyone simultaneously decided, yeah, we're gonna chant "You suck" at him. Yeah, that that's that's gonna be what we do to show how much we we love him being here. We're just gonna scream "You suck" at him repeatedly. Um, he was just corpsing all the way down the ramp. It was great. I, I do enjoy it when uh, experienced wrestlers just become kind of overcome with the uh, with with reactions. It was really nice to see that. What did you? Yeah, think? like. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just a unique atmosphere throughout this match. Like the whole your call was buzzing through the whole match, not just in the entrances, but like it. It helped that they kept the match short and like it didn't overstay its welcome. So like every spot was got a big reaction. Well, I was surprised at how short it was. It was only uh, nine minutes, maybe one second short of nine minutes. Which is just barely longer than the uh, the tag match that preceded. Well, Angle did say in his post match promo that he was uh wasn't a hundred percent like uh, his knee was giving him issues. But I think any even if that wasn't the case, I think it was best to keep it short so you know Angle didn't run out of gas or like the crowd just kind of settled down a bit. Like it was really just hit the spots, hit the spots, hit the spots yeah. throughout the uh, whole match. It worked. It worked fine. Yeah. I mean, like, they did about five minutes of like feeling each other out and then went into the... like Kurt Angle has this match that he perfected around like 2004, I want to say, where he, he just kind of like does his finishes and the other guy's finishes and does reversals from one to the other. And they they nailed all of that perfectly. It was, mm. it, it was a real throwback. So I was saying it's a, it was a perfect use of, of Kurt Angle just bringing him in, get the pops, go home. What do you think about the result here? Because Angle did tap Sabre Jr. out. And in the moment, I didn't think much of it. And then, like, looking back, I was like, so a part-timer came in. He's broken down. Can't, well, I say part-timer. Probably a one-off guy comes in. Bro- he's broken down 48, I think, your old man. Um, it might be 47, but, yeah, late 40s. Uh, and he's he comes in and beats the guy you're that you're presenting as the best guy, best wrestler in the world, who who recently beat AJ Styles on his way out of the company, uh, beating everyone, and then taps out clean to, to a guy who's probably not coming back and is well, well past his prime. Um, in theory, well, I, I, that sounds awful. <laughs> I think there's two schools of thought looking at this. There's one is that I don't think Sabre wants to go over Angle. Uh, he's clearly a big Kurt Angle fan, and he feels that Kurt Angle is not on the same level as anyone that's knocking around in wrestling today. He obviously doesn't feel that it's going to hurt him because he's he's good as he is. Um, the other one would be that if it's my promotion, I don't want my champion losing. I especially don't want him losing to somebody that's that's old and out of shape. So if it's me, if, I, if I'm Andy Quilden, I'm like, Kurt, you're coming in. We're going to give you a really good match and a really good uh, opportunity here. But I can't job my champion out. 
That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have had him lose. But I don't yeah. think I don't think Saber wanted to 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 like win the match. If that makes sense. Again, in the in the moment, it didn't bother me at all because it was just like, yeah, it's the spectacle, like Kurt Angle winning. It's a cool moment. Um, in the long run, you know, only you got the Shibata match to promote as uh, that. We'll talk that that's a, a world heavyweight champ or British heavyweight championship match coming up um, between Sabre Junior and Shibata, and you have your champion in that going into going into the big match with a loss. It does diminish it somewhat, and yeah, you could argue that maybe you shouldn't book the match or um, have make sure Angle is is good to job, but. Uh, like the moment it made, like just the absolute spectacle of it is is so like once in a lifetime. But it's it feels like it's bigger than the belt, so I'm not too bothered about it. Obviously, you can go like the Brit Rest Troll tri- Twitter account and go mental about how um, the Yank comes in and um, beats your champion, but uh, it's not really something to be hugely upset about. I don't. I, think. I don't think anyone was feeling that at the time. I don't think anyone sat there no. in, in your call going. Oh, Sabre loss, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does sort of affect the Shibata match a bit for me, like, because you do have the champion coming in from a loss into that big, another big dream match. I felt like it would have promoted Sabre Jr. better had he won, and so then whatever happens in the Shibata match, both guys come out looking better. He did, um... He did already beat AJ Styles clean and, and made him submit though, so you, yeah. you still got that. You can still say, "Well, this is this is the guy. This is how he won the belt." Yeah, you can still say Sabre Junior is facing literally the best in the world every time he comes out. So win or lose, he's hanging with the very best. And they presented Kurt Angle like the very best. They didn't present him like an uh, an old man. Like they presented him like this is Kurt freaking Angle. Yeah, it's a shame it wasn't maybe five years ago when he could still yeah. go and I think it would have been a lot easier to swallow the, the, the defeat um, yeah. five years ago but obviously he wouldn't have been available then so in theory I, I it's something I hate um, like just laying it out without any names but being there live I just got the sense that it didn't hurt Sabre at all I, I, I don't I didn't get the sense that like Three months from now, people are going to be watching a Sabre Junior title defense and going, "Oh, well, he lost to Angle." But I, it just didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like we, we, we're not going to get people chanting "You tapped out of him" or anything like no. that. It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. As long as it, this doesn't become a habit, um, I don't think it, it's going to be too disastrous. But uh, Yes, overall, I really enjoyed the show, especially being live. It, it felt very special, and and even um, watching back on tape, it was it was a very consistently good show. With with Osprey versus Bailey, really worth going out of your way to see, especially the Osprey reaction, uh, and then Angle's entrance as well is worth checking out because that that was just special. Yeah, if you don't have time to watch the whole show, those two matches should should be seen. You're seeing the best of the show with those two matches. And I mean, Osprey, uh, sorry, Hero Bodum is would be the third one there as well. Yeah, no complaints, sir. I like Skull. Skull versus Dara I liked a lot as well. So it was a solid card. Shall we move on, chaps? We shall. Indeed. Um, PCW, Preston City Wrestling, who, surprise, surprise, run up in Preston. 
um, are running what they're calling their biggest show ever to date, Tribute to the Troops, June 25th, and they are running the what they are billing as the, the UK's first ever live HD iPay-per-view. Um, we, we don't usually cover PCW too much, because it's not really a promotion any of us follow too closely, if at all. Um, but it, it's it's newsworthy, so we thought we'd we'd give it a talk. And uh, the iPay-per-view is only three pounds, which is, you know, if you if you're looking for impulse buys, that that's the price point. For you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a bargain. I mean, I'm I'm not I... in love with the card, but for three pound, I'm almost tempted to check it out just for the novelty. Almost. Yeah, there's there's no there's no matches on the card that particularly jump out to me, but yeah, three pounds wrestling. I, yeah. I have I have nothing Tempted. planned Saturday night, so I, I may <laughs> just I may just watch it. <laughs> um, we will have um, Darren Broomfield reviewing it for Voices of Wrestling. So uh, after Saturday, if you, if you're still on the fence and uh, want to decide if the replay's worth checking out, then uh, that that replay will be there for you. Um, I think I should probably mention uh, I, I follow Preston City Wrestling on uh, on the Twitter machine, and they actually sent me a, a DM um, pimping this show and saying, "Look, you know, please support us. It's only three pound." It um, that they're trying very hard to make this work, as if they're uh, sending out DMs to like all the people that follow them. Then that that's got to be kind of time-consuming. I mean, I'm sure there's some way you can automate it, but... Um, oh, possibly. But at £3, you probably have to get a lot of volume to make it work. Um, so that's what they're going for. And I mean, at £3, sending a DM might work, you know, because it is, it is a very impulse-buy price level. Um, yeah, if this was any other promotion, I'd probably be all over it, but... Uh, I was, I was going to say it's only it's only five dollars, but then I thought, well, we're recording this on on the Thursday. If the Brexit goes through, then it, it'll be like <laughs> more than five dollars. Nah, nah, it won't go through. Oh, politics! We're remaining. We're remaining. <laughs> I hope we're remaining because I got a big bet on it from when it was decent odds. Classic. I will just say I hate the. Uh name because it's like the wwe thing and just just whenever indie shows use wwe names like whether they call it have like a money in the bank match or like here the tribute to the troops show name or just straight up using the guy's wwe name like uh evan Bourne or whatever uh, it just really turns me off like i feel like you should stay distinct from wwe and not try and piggyback on the popularity i know that it gets people in and if it's a recognizable name it sort of like tricks people's brains into sort of associating the two things but yeah i would like it's better to build something on your own back like what progress do than try and like hop on someone else's no matter how big their back is they did do a show called uh, the the show we legally can't call progressal mania <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, tri- so you don't like tribute to the troops. So what you're saying is fuck the troops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was taken Con- out of context, controversial anti-military <laughs> stance from Ollie Cole. So. I, I, I agree with the sentiment, just they need to word it differently because that's the way WWE words it. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily a, a show worth making time for, but if you're doing nothing on a Saturday night or if you're not from the UK, whenever 7pm UK time would fall, um, maybe maybe something worth a watch. Maybe. Well, if, you're in, if you're in the States, that's like a Saturday afternoon. If you had a Saturday afternoon yeah. show. Perfect. <laughs> for five bucks. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's likely the most we will ever talk about PCW because it it's like ICW but worse usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we wouldn't have talked about it at all if I hadn't have said, oh, by the way, there's an iPay per view this weekend. It it was already on my my list actually. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much. You didn't know which weekend it was. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> minor details, minor details. <laughs> We'd have previewed it after it had taken place. Um, yeah. Another thing that's actually happening on the same day and uh, actually using up a lot of the good talent that would have been on the, the PCW pay-per-view, um, but I, OTT booked them first because uh, OTT is running its uh, now monthly um, Dublin shows. Um, we're going to rush through this one fairly quickly because we've already gone fairly long but uh it's got three pretty big and exciting matches um pete dunn versus el Ligero, big demo versus luther ward for the no limits title and ryan smile versus tyler bate versus jordan devlin uh, all three of them sound pretty good to me absolutely I'd... El Ligero is extremely underrated in singles. And I think because he's been in that tag team in progress, um, that's where most eyes have been on him. I think you, if you haven't seen him in singles, he'll probably turn your head a little bit. And uh, a match with Pete Dunne is... I assume he's babyface over there, Ligero. Um, a match with Pete Dunne is going to be very good, I think. And the triple threat sounds uh, great. I love me some Tyler Bate. And uh, I think that's going to be a really good match. Yeah, I share those sentiments. Um, also, on that show, I believe there's the tag team Gymnasties versus uh, Lad from the remaining Lad from the Flat and Cock Cabana. I believe it's Worky. Worky, yeah. <laughs> so Worky and Cock Cabana uh, teaming up for the tag titles on that show as well. That's yeah, comedy match in there. Surprise, surprise! The one I didn't mention. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, could could be good. Uh, Damo versus Ward. Uh, it always you're always gonna run into the is the Damo match gonna be too soft? Um, but yeah, one of, actually one of the last times you're probably gonna be seeing Damo. Well, maybe not quite, but uh, he is off at some point, um, as reported in the Observer recently. Off to NXT land. To the PC, mm-hmm. but supposedly, like uh, he's going. Noam Dar is going, um, and there was some. Who was the other guy? There was another guy as well. Tommy End. I've got well, yeah, and Tommy End. 
of those three, I would say Tommy End has by far the best chance to succeed. Star's got his age on his side. Um, he's got time to, to work his way through and work his way up, uh, as long as he sticks in there. Um, but yeah, End's probably... End's the guy that think, uh, walks through a curtain and immediately grabs He's the best promo. Him. Yeah, he's the best promo. He's got the best presence of the three. Um, I think Dar will, will struggle to stand out. Uh, Damo for his look will stand out, but it's whether his work is going to be good enough. I think he's well suited for TV matches, um, which will will fare fare him well in NXT. Yeah, I think the short matches he'd be okay with. It's um, it's how how deep he goes into the uh, NXT world, whether he's actually going to be um, you know working takeovers and stuff in time. So that then you need to be able to work 15, 20 minutes. And from what I've seen from Damo, his longer matches are not great. But then he, he can kill it on the booking. Uh, the, the stuff of what culture that I watched him do, I thought he was great on like all of the tapings there. Sorry to keep bringing it back to that, but I, I just watched it like like a week ago. So it's kind of fresh in the mind. Yeah, so... um. Should be a good show from OTT. That'll be up on their Vimeo um, a few days after it happens, usually. Um, usually takes place in a Sunday, drops in around a Tuesday. So if you're looking for that, uh, that's where to go for that. Um, and then fairly recently, WXW finished off their uh, five-month-long tour with their Shortcut to the Top show, which is basically their, their Royal Rumble. It's a 30-man over-the-top rope gauntlet elimination match, a.k.a. the exact thing that a Royal Rumble is, but um, much to Ollie's pleasure, apparently. Uh, name something different. Um, that show had a couple of notable things, including Tommy End announcing that he's on his way out of WXW and that uh, he'll only be working, I think it's one more show um, for WXW before heading off for better things. Um... Also, that kind of Beck. caught me by surprise. That the whole end announcement really caught me by surprise. It, when you look at him, you don't think this is a guy that's going to be in in WWE. But it, it makes perfect sense because they want to do, they want to make their show more of a global one. That that's a theme that I'm sensing from them, mm. uh, like bringing in uh, the Wang Bin from China. It's like they they want guys who are stars from other countries so that they have a global feeling to the show and, and Tommy End is, is exactly that and there can't be that many guys out there from other countries that can cut promos like he can mm. and back it up in the ring mm, definitely definitely uh, but there's just from a, a pure look um, standpoint there's very few people who who not only match up but like who represent that like demographic the way uh end does wrestling wise or all the uh demon worshippers he'll uh have out by <laughs> um yeah Carsten beck also returned after a, a couple of month break um he'll be yeah, off... he wasn't gone that long was he yeah i think he's he like gone three the... months it's like the last time he was on a wxw show uh 16 carat that was the, March, the way he took his it? he took his boots off in the ring and it was like it, is he retiring here you kind of thought he might be gone for for a bit longer maybe he just needed a 
a bit of time to to rehab some injuries. Yeah, so he, he came time. back and um, won uh, won the shortcut to the top match, um, eliminating uh, Axel Dieter Jr. Finally, but uh, briefly before that, um, also uh, Jean Simmons, um, the champion, uh, who took. Arm's favourite, whose name I'm forgetting, Marius van Beethoven's uh, place in the match. Um, what his... a name. Yes, indeed. Um, so he's going to be, when uh, WXW return, I think they return in early August? Um, that may be wrong, but it's... it's. They're taking a little break uh, from touring. Uh, he'll be off feuding with Jern Simmons, so that's uh, something for me to completely skip. Um, <laughs> they're too like they're they're sports entertainy wrestlers in the worst sense of the word from like people who listen yeah. to this like everything yeah. all the negative things you think about WWE that that's like what they like about wrestling and what they do pretty much John, John Simmons is great until he wrestles so everything about him until he wrestles is brilliant. I love his look. But... I want to like him so much, but he's awful. Yeah. He's got a great personality, great uh, <laughs> look, and then <laughs> and the wrestling yeah, is also there. That if, if he was more distinctive, I could see WWE being interested in him because he's uh, a different nationality and he can cut a great promo in English. But um, yeah, his, his in-ring is just Ugh. I'm not even sure that it, he's actively bad. He just doesn't. He perfectly do anything. Has bad <laughs> matches. He just stands that, there. <laughs> yeah, like all he does There's, is rest holds. There is too much good wrestling in the world to waste time on Jern Simmons matches. This this is definitely true. Um, and then the final thing. Um, speaking of thing, good wrestling. Um, that's in the world and worth watching. Uh, what, what an amazing segue. Um, uh, <laughs> Emil Satochi and Marty Skrull, um had a little uh, break-up in the, in the, I keep wanting to call it the Royal Rumble, but uh, the shortcut to the top match. Um, Skrull eliminated Satoshi. They've kind of been teasing a break-up of that team for a while, and it looks like they're going to be feuding. Um, that's a, that's a feud I'm really interested in. Uh, I think Satoshi's really underrated. Like you barely ever hear anyone talking about him, but he he's a really really good wrestler. And uh, obviously, Skrull is also great. Um, and I see them working very well together. Yeah, that's a fair comment. NGW recently released a a. Uh, Oh, what's their show called? The British Wrestling Roundup is what their weekly YouTube show is. Um, they they actually released it through What Culture's YouTube channel. Um, so they're going to have two weekly shows uh, from next week, I think. Um, yes. Um, well, they they had a show on uh, last week as well, which was um, it was a triple threat: uh, Nathan Cruz, Rampage Brown, and and Zach Gibson. Uh, but it was a triple threat match that ended in a disqualification, which for me, I just I started waving a red flag at the screen, going like, "No, that doesn't happen." Who's disqualified? Who who is the guy that isn't disqualified? There, it doesn't make any sense. See, I always hate it when people say that 
triple threats and no disqualifications because well they, they have to be they, they don't have to be Other... they don't I... just get rid of the person who gets disqualified and then it becomes a singles match well, they didn't it was it, it was a dq and that was the end of the match yeah well yeah that's dumb but it so that was that was dumb i got upset about that i, I think and it, then right it, right afterwards it, sorry go ahead yeah, right afterwards, they're like, oh, next week on uh, on the British Wrestling Roundup, it's Mark Haskins versus Sammy Callahan. I was like, oh, fair play. I think when you... Way to save it. When you say it's no DQ and then like they have a regular match without weapons, it always throws up red flags for me. But uh, that, that's just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, in general, not the biggest triple threat fan, fan in general. That, that match... That match was not particularly good. Uh, this one, the Haskins Callahan match, was. Yeah, we're we're not going to go too deep into it, but basically, one it's free on YouTube and it's well worth checking out. Um, I I did prefer the uh, the Southside match these two had, but that's stuck behind a payroll wall, and this one isn't. So, um, if that affects your decision, which it likely will, uh, this one is definitely worth watching. I had it three and three quarter stars. Uh, very, very intense. Wasn't in love with the finish, but uh, overall, uh, just uh, yeah, a great intensity to this match. Yeah, I thought Callahan came across like a real bully in this one. Uh, even though Haskins is kind of the heel here, um, I feel like Callahan like asserted himself a lot better than in either his, his uh, super strong style matches. So yeah, definitely one to one to look out for. Yeah, I I, uh, I was a big fan of this match. Uh, I, I like Rob. I preferred the the one from Southside, uh, just marginally. But um, this is a real good match. Another uh, great showing from Haskins. And then speaking of uh, YouTube videos, before we get to um, uh, the progress show, for for those who are gonna leave us at that point. Um, Marty Skrull recently released a uh, a really really cool. Um, vignette um, on his own YouTube channel. Um, I think he yeah, he did it in collaboration with uh, Jim Bob, um, as he goes by on Twitter. Um, and it's it's called Demons and Villains, and it, it's just it's hard to describe it fully, but it, it's just re it's what the Wyatt family should be. That's the feel <laughs> I got of it. Uh, have you two seen this? Yeah, yeah, um, it's it, it's kind of like Skrull explaining his character motivations, but in a very highly stylized way. Uh, definitely very cool, like, visual style to it. Um, and I feel like that's something Britress in general is sort of getting towards, is more, like, high-quality, easily consumable stuff, like YouTube videos. I feel like maybe YouTube hasn't been fully exploited by, um... Britress promotions as much as it could be, but like we've been talking about um, the N NGW show and um, this vignette, and I'm gonna talk about um, something else Progress put out uh, tonight as we're recording. Um, like just e effort being put into YouTube stuff that people can see for free, but direct them to the paid stuff. And uh, yeah, I like that that they're sort of expanding into that because that's something WWE do really well and something that um, wrestling lends itself to, like having the vignettes that build up character for free, and then you see the characters wrestle, um, which you pay for. It, it just makes sense, I guess. 
this, like, no one is doing, like, in all of indie wrestling, no one is doing videos quite like what Skrull did here, and it really, <clears throat> for me, it really helps him stand out. Like, it's like a, a different level of his character work. This was something that, like, it puts some of WWE's own, like, vignettes to shame <laughs> quality-wise. Yeah. It, it was really, really impressive, and I... It's only like two or three minutes, but I definitely recommend checking out. And it, he's he's best off in that um, pre-recorded promo style. Like yeah. he's fantastic at that. Whereas live, maybe he's a little bit worse. But like when he knows what he wants to say, he can say it so well and like get across a point in like a very mysterious way. I, just watch it and see for yourself. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> So, Progress Chapter 32, uh, coming up this weekend, June 26th, although by the time this is released, um, it might be in the past, but it will still be up, won't be up on Demand Progress yet. So, um, it's a fairly big card, but they've got lined up some, uh, I think three pretty well-hyped matches in here, so we'll get on with it, uh, starting with Damon Moser versus Nathan Cruz, Moser trying to take revenge on the origin, um, he faced Gibson at 31, which we haven't seen yet. And uh, now he faces Cruz here. Um, we've talked fairly lengthily about how we're not like big fans of Moza, but uh, he should be a little more motivated here because there's some story at least going into his match. It, it's a little difficult to preview it without having seen the other match, the one yeah. with 31. It's... Yeah. Manchester's far. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there has been a little bit of separation between the London and Manchester chapters. Maybe the Manchester chapters haven't uh, struck as much of a chord with the fans as the London ones do, or they don't feel as important. Even with the uh, Skull versus Hero match uh, at 31, which was well hyped, I like from what I heard, the undercard really didn't deliver as much. As, well, the main event obviously did in a, with a match like that, but the undercard wasn't up to London standards. And it's just something to look out for. Yeah, all I heard was the hype for the, the main event from people who'd been there. They were just they were really excited about that and how it played yeah. out. But the undercard, I, I didn't hear a lot about. Um, yeah, it's, it's, as, like you say, it's difficult to preview this match without knowing the result of that. But yeah, Moser versus Origin is something that is happening, certainly. Whether I'm into it or not is another story. <laughs> It makes sense that it's taking yeah. place. So. Nathan Cruz is, is good. He's he's not had a lot of chances in singles uh, in progress. So, um, well, he's been the champion. Recently. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, he's not had a lot of chances. Uh, there's two Atlas tournament matches um, on this show. The tag team in the A block is T-Bone and Dave Mastiff versus Big Daddy Volta and Ice Dane Rees. Um... Any strong opinions on this one, guys? <laughs> I, I'm wondering if they've kind of got cold feet with with Reese and have decided they don't want him in as many singles matches. How so? Here's, well, how so? Um, well, this is like for the oh, this is for the tournament. Uh, yeah, but it's not replacing any of the singles matches. See, here's here's the thing. Actually, it is replacing. Oh, it, it, yeah. I was gonna have a Atlas rant. Because they're not doing straight up uh, 
the they're not doing straight up block single matches. But I think the tag team partners each here won't wrestle each other. So T Bone and Mastiff won't wrestle each other, and Balter and Reeves won't wrestle each other. Have they changed their mind there, or was it the other block where they said they were? I think it's both blocks. Both blocks and the teams in the tag teams won't wrestle each other, and their singles matches won't happen. Oh, that's well, the that's... that's the impression that I got. Um, so, like, I felt like maybe Reese was the guy that they kind of booked, and then thought, well, actually, we're not that keen on him. <laughs> well, I think they've just done that generally across the board. They've sort of gone cold feet on the Atlas tournament as a whole, or like maybe they didn't think the whole Japanese style blocks was particularly interesting, so he wanted to spice it up with the tag team matches, or they just didn't know how to book that the blocks properly, so they wanted to put the tag team matches in instead. It just it seems like they've gone half hearted into the tournament concept and you just can't do that. You need to go all the way with the whole everyone gets free matches against everyone else in the block. And they haven't done that. They've done these weird tag team matches. One in 31, it didn't even happen because Mike, uh, Michael Dante wasn't there. So Mikey Whiplash stepped in, um, which raises a whole another set of problems. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, yeah, the, it's the all... tournament for me is kind of... It, it started okay, then it got really good, and now it's kind of faded away a bit to the point where I'm not that bothered who wins. They which... are doing semi-finals, though. So I think they just got to get this awkward, clunky group phase out of the way, and then they can hit a strong with three important matches. Because these these tag team stuff, and then the massive letdown that they're not doing it properly, like the group stages haven't worked out. Yeah, they've delivered two good matches in uh, Kofi and Brown, and then uh, Mastiff and Volta. But yeah, it's a real letdown to see them. Yeah, they've possibly not thought that through. Yeah. I feel like they've changed their mind because I'm pretty sure at one point there wasn't going to be semi-finals and they were just going to do the block and then the tag matches. But yeah, I hadn't heard that they, they replaced some of the um, uh, some of the singles matches with tag one. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Uh, the uh, B-block match on this show is Damo O'Connor versus Rampage Brown, which... Uh... Is fairly high level. I think that could be pretty good. Apart from his awful name in progress. <laughs> what? Yeah. You, you say that, and I, and I kind of said the same thing, but then I follow him on Twitter, and I happened to look at the other day, and, and his name on there is Big Damo O'Connor, and I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> that, that's like his name on Twitter. That's his name. It's still dumb, though. <laughs> it is. It doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, that, that is actually his name on Twitter. Speaking of what could be potentially dumb, Jack Sexsmith versus TK Cooper. <laughs> that that sounds like the kind of match that Rob would skip. Yeah, Cooper really proved himself against Gallagher and in the Ten Man when he got the opportunity. This match does have some heat because uh, Cooper interfered in the women's tag match a few chapters back, and Sexsmith was. Um, the guy who ran him off. So they do, and um, I think Cooper eliminated Sexsmith from the Endeavor Battle Royal to determine who got the strong style place. So there's there's heat here, but 
it kind of just feels like a small-time feud. I hope Cooper wins, because I want him to go on to bigger things in progress, whereas Sexsmith is, uh, at least for now, a firm undercard act. Oh, it's, so it's, Cooper's... A, it's a good act, but it has limited uh, yeah. upside. This feels like an endeavor match to me that doesn't particularly warrant being on the, the chapter show, but I hope they um hope they prove me wrong and have a really good match. I think it, be, it being on the it being on the chapter show make make if Cooper wins makes it feel more important for Cooper because it shows they're sort of getting behind him a bit. If Sexsmith wins, though, I don't think it really means much for either guy. So yeah, I'm firmly in the Cooper winning this and moving on up the hierarchy. Prove, like, proving he's at least better than the other Endeavor guys. Which he is, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from maybe um, uh, the pastor. Yeah, but I, would, I, I would, would like you call him an Endeavor guy? Yeah. Well, he still works most of the Endeavor shows, I think. He feels bigger time now. True. So, if, yeah. like, I've, Cooper... He won Natural Selection, so... Progression, natural progression. Like, in my head, I was like, I've just said something wrong. What have I said wrong? Natural progression series. He won that. It, it went right over my head. I didn't notice at all. Yeah, no, I, I definitely got that wrong. Um, the three big matches on this show um, that have been, like, properly promoted, um, we'll get to now. Uh, Johnny Gargano is coming in um, to defend his Smash Wrestling Championship as part of the Progress and Smash Wrestling, uh, uh, what would you call it? Cross promotion, I guess. Yeah. So uh, there's gonna be two Progress shows in Canada alongside Smash um, in September, I believe. So mm -hmm. this is just the start of that. I guess whoever Gargano is feuding with, like, will fight here. Will start the feud between Smash and Progress. Start that story going. Who are we guessing here? Oh, I'm thinking maybe Zach Gibson? I was thinking possibly Jack Gallagher. It depends. Yeah, I was it depends thinking how they Jack Gallagher it. off the top of my head. Is he going to be in the UK at that point? Yeah, I think he will. That could be a good call. Because um, I guess if you're going uh, Progress versus um, Smash, you, you might want the, the faces to on the progress side, when you're in the UK at least. Um, and Gibson is certainly not a face in progress. Um, do we think the title could switch hands here, or is this just Gargano being introduced into the progress universe? I'm not really that bothered. I just want to see a good match here, really. Just to, as a as a good start to the, the, the series to go, like, it's going to be of a, a high standard. You know, we're going to see some good quality. I don't think we'll see a, um, a title change because between the, the the Smash versus Progress shows and this chapter, Smash have three shows, uh, and I'm not sure they they'd want to not have their belt for three whole shows. Um, uh, they they've also got a show versus Chikara, um, which you yeah you'd imagine they they'd have their belt for. Do we know the date on that? Uh, the progress um, progress versus Smash is seventeenth and eighteenth of September. I meant the um, 
the um the, the Chikara crossover show. Uh, Smash vs Chikara. Yeah. Uh, you got a date on that. Twenty fourth of July. Okay. So I was just looking at the um the Cruiserweight Classic taping dates, and it doesn't clash with any of them. Yeah, I just suppose from, if it from, was from Gallagher, Gallagher he, and he was over in the US, Gallagher wins here, and then spends a while over in the U. Well, not uh, North America at least. Um, works a few Canadian shows. Could happen, I guess. Could happen. I think whatever happens, this will be a good match because Gargano is quality, and they'll presumably pick out a strong opponent for him. You know, like he's not just going to get thrown a can here. It, so. it did feel from the um, from the announcements when they made it that they were saying, "Oh, you don't want to miss this show." It was implying that it was going to be somebody good. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if it is. And also, they progress rarely disappoint with uh, the surprise challenger gimmick. So, is um, is Young Will doing anything on the twenty sixth? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm currently checking New Japan's schedule. I don't think they've got anything because Dominion was on the nineteenth. Oh no, no, they do actually. But yeah, because they do. Yeah, I think he's on. Oh, Kazuna Road. Road, Well, Kazuna (laughs) Road runs 25th and 27th, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a bit of a haul for Osprey to get back. So yeah, I I think we can rule out uh, William. Indeed. Um, Although Zach... I was going to say, is Sabre back from the States? Because we're taping this on the 23rd, which is when... Uh, Cruiserweight Classic is taping. Uh, presumably, it's only one day. I think. I think this, like, they're taping it over several days, but one day at a one, like, a one day stints at a time. Yeah, I've I've got the dates down. It's uh, June the twenty third, July the fourteenth, August the twenty sixth, and September the fourteenth. Those the, the those are the taping dates. So, so if he's feasible. just taping one day, it's possible. That would be something. We may be getting our expectations a little high here. Yeah, we we started off at a reasonable level, and now we've just kind of gone up from there. But um, even if it is, you know, quote unquote, just Jack Gallagher or Zach Gibson, um, Johnny Gargano is really good, um, and he'll have. A, he, I think he'd work really well with either of them, uh, and it. it Either of those two would be a really fun match and a great addition to the card. Absolutely. A mm-hmm. uh, one match that they have promoted a lot is Ginny versus Laura Di Matteo, and that uh, finally comes to a head at That's chapter thirty-two. This this could get very loud in the ballroom because I'm yell at Ginny so loud. <laughs> <laughs> when when uh when she was still called Elizabeth and but she came out as a surprise partner for the tag team match they had uh, a couple of months ago, uh, there was a huge reaction. And this feud, it has, it's really working for me because the two of them, uh, personality-wise, mesh so well because Ginny is so abrasive and, mm. like, loud and domineering and she, like, if she looks at you, you like, you get scared almost because she's just so intimidating and... Yeah, <laughs> she's someone you don't want to fuck with. Basically, she's, she's wonderfully evil. I, I, yeah. do, I do love her. 
and then Laura Di Matteo is just so unassuming and like a normal person almost compared to Ginny's super villainy. So like she's just like I call it. I said she had like anti charisma the last time she talked about we talked about uh, her because she just seems like a normal person and that makes her rootable against someone so outlandish like Ginny. <laughs> well, it works having her against Ginny because Ginny is just so heat. Yeah. so much heat on her that um yeah anybody's gonna get that reaction that that baby face reaction for slapping her around just because she's <laughs> that much of a that over as a heel um and progress tonight that we're recording this um released a 20 minute like video of like two sit down interviews with uh the pair of them um like talking about each other and the story of the feud and like their carefully worked out backstory, which um, is like, <laughs> it's really fun to like see like five years worth of um, storyline relationship come to a head. <laughs> like they have like a three year backstory from even before the progress story started. So it's just very fun to see them play the story out like it's, that. It's one of the best book feuds I think progress have done in the last year. Like, like since um, the culmination of the whole Jimmy Havoc thing, I think this has been like one of the best book things they've done. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just like the way they've gradually built um, Laura up to turning on Ginny and like teasing the crowd at every opportunity. And then like even when she finally turned, it wasn't like a full thing until she, she finally like refused to apologize to Ginny. And then that was the catalyst for making this match. So yeah, it's it's just been very well told over a year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think the the only match, well, possibly the Gargano one, I think will be the the headline for the first half. Um, but the the only match that's going to be above it in terms of card position, I think, is the main event. Yeah, they they've done a really good job building this one. Of you, of you two, have already said. Um, it, it, this one's probably going to be carried more by the emotion than the pure work. But at the same time, neither of these um, women are, are slouches in the ring by any means. Yeah, but it, yeah, does, it, be, it, it doesn't have to be a good match. It doesn't it even need be. to be a good match. It will be good to see uh, LDM like in a proper match because we've only ever seen her in like the storyline matches where she doesn't really get to do much on purpose because Ginny like keeps her out of a match. So it'll be it'll be good to see both of them finally turned loose and going a hundred percent. Main event uh, we can move on to the main event. Uh for the Progress Championship, Tommy End is cashing in his Super Strong Style sixteen uh championship shot. Against Marty's girl, um, so we potentially thought this was going to get saved to Brixton, but uh, Tommy End is moving on before then, so they're going to do it here. Yeah, he's and... going to be in Orlando by then. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It kind of feels like a bit of a speedy move to do I, it like straight away. But I think the, the big go. problem they've got with it is that do, is anybody going to think Tommy End's winning? Yeah, that is the main problem. And also kind of one of the reasons why I didn't want him to win the Strong Star 16, because I felt like 
him getting the rub for that. I, I'm still not convinced really that he was booked to, uh, to win originally. Potentially. He, I think <laughs> it's something was, we'll never know. I think he was booked to be in the final. But I honestly think Haskins was booked to win. And the the unfortunate like um, uh, problems that he had that caused him to drop out made them go for option B. Not no, not realising at the time, perhaps, that that, that was going to be a more predictable outcome for this match. So if this is Skull versus Haskins, I could totally see a title change. This does at least um, conclude the Skull end rivalry. But they've had two singles matches and ends got the better of Skull in both of them and beat him in the non-title match and then only lost by disqualification in... The championship match, uh, so at least it's a conclusion to that. And if Skull beats the tournament winner after he's already beaten Hero, that is um, like two big scalps for Skull, makes him look really legitimate. It should be a good match. I mean, that they've had two uh, really solid matches that were up around four stars, apart from um, like the booking, you know, the issues with um, uh, Mikey Whiplash interfering. I think. Uh, Without the booking, I think that they've been two very good matches. Um, so hopefully, we, we get a very good main event and a, and a definitive conclusion. Do you get mm-hmm. the feeling that Whiplash is is possibly going to interfere again, and that I end, think end will have Whiplash a match with won't Whiplash won't on the way out? in this, but they'll set up a end Whiplash match afterwards. Um, I think Progress even tweeted something like, "Oh, we have something planned for Whiplash," like as if they they're gonna lock him away or something or like keep him busy with someone else so distract him by shiny things get Michael Dante in there block, blocking the interference or something <laughs> that that yeah. would be pretty cool so I think this match will go clean and I think Skull will win it completely cleanly and get a second big scalp in as many weeks yeah <laughs> which sets him up potentially for Pastor William either <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to keep lobbing that idea just to see if it sticks, but yeah. We've still got a couple of months to go until Brixton. There's still things that can happen. Yeah. I mean, it, the future is not yet set. Mm-hmm. It, one of the one of the more one of the better on paper cards. Well, actually, I, I feel like I've been saying that for the last few progress cards. Actually. Um, this last, the uh, last, uh, what's the word? Spate? That's not the right word. Uh, this last run of progress cards have all been pretty, uh, pretty consistently quality. Um, with always more than just the main event to latch onto. Uh, so yeah, definitely looking forward to this one and uh, thirty-one as well when it drops. I was going to say real quickly that um, uh, Ollie, you're you're going to this show now as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I've. Procured a ticket uh, from Twickets. So, yeah. I, I think not, it was the uh, not Sydney me. LDM. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. But if you do want to buy... Um, if you do want to buy second-hand tickets that aren't from Progress, because Progress do only use tickets, um, if on the secondary market, SeatGeek could, could be your place to go. Um, voiceofwrestling.com slash seatgeek. Uh, 
no extra cost to you, helps us. Um, or voiceofwrestling.com slash Amazon, or voiceofwrestling.com slash WWE shop. Yeah, there's plugs out the way, and Arn can now growl at me. I, I set you up for that one. You did, you did. That led into it. Well, well done, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to this progress show. First so, time, yeah? First time. I'm not buying yeah. anybody beer, because I'm, <laughs> I do not have any money. Um, uh, it's like five pounds per drink. Yeah, <laughs> I'll write out a load of IRUs, but only if I know you off Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I might buy like Ian a drink if he's there. <laughs> I'll buy Ollie one, and that that's the limit. That's I, I can't do anymore. That's a recorded IOU. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah. we've gone pretty long. Uh, so. We are wrapping up now, officially. Uh, so, plugs, if you want to do them, or are you still uh, on your campaign against plugs at the moment? Ah, um, yeah, screw plugs. Screw them. Uh, Voicesofwrestling.com for Brit Rest Reviews, and another, at another Ollie for uh, opinions about wrestling and everything else. At the R-Double, if you want to follow me, um, mostly for me tweeting about the Euros at the moment. Um, so, maybe not. Uh, T-H-E-R-D-O-U-B-L-E um, Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye. Good evening. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.